Hi, this is Angie Meadows. And it's Josh Bond. And today, uh, we are going to talk about affliction. There is a purpose in our suffering, Josh, and we're going to figure out what it is. Read us this scripture. You will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord give you the bread of, the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Then you will... Then you will defile your idols and throw them away. Isaiah 30, 19 through 22. The bread of adversity and the water of affliction. How much of your life has had bread that is adversity and water that is affliction? Yeah. <laughs> Most of it. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> and, and somehow or another in our culture, we think uh, uh, suffering's bad. Yeah. And here he's telling us, as, although the Lord give you bread of adversity and water reflection that's my bread and my water uh, so let's see let's ask a question here what three things are you to do when you're suffering number one cry out number two look for your idols oh look for your teacher and number three <laughs> throw away your idols yeah cry out look for your teachers throw, throw away your, your idols. idols so as i start um getting above the affliction and not under it, I can start saying, Lord, what are you teaching me? And I can listen to the teaching that he's giving me. But I have to seek it. I have to seek the Lord. I have to set myself in front of preachers and teachers and, you know, YouTube, my favorite YouTube teachers in the Bible. I have to sit with studies and listen to podcasts like this so I can say, you know, if you can name this problem, I'm suffering. Now you can Google a sermon on suffering and you got like 30 to choose from. (laughs) And now you can educate yourself on what God's saying about suffering. And now you can get above it and not beneath it. And now you can have authority over it and you can have a rule and reign and have dominion and not let it have power of you so the character skill we want to learn here is called endurance okay read second corinthians 6 4 rather as servants of god we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance in troubles hardships and distress so the lord is developing character in me now, I'm going to read you 2 Corinthians 6, 5 through 10. It says, In beatings, imprisonments, and riots, this is Paul speaking, in hard work, in sleepless nights, in hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, and truthful speech, and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is uh, a a dichotomy. This is paradoxical. Having nothing yet having everything, rejoicing and yet poor, rich and 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 yet it looks like we're poor, sorrowful, yet we're rejoicing, beaten and not killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is so so let's look at this. What was his hardships? Beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, dishonor, bad report, called imposters, unknown, dying, beaten, sorrowful, poor, with nothing. Well look at that. <laughs> did Everything. He, did he have <laughs> did he have a cupcake life? No. He didn't. But did he come up underneath it and say, Woe is me and I'm gonna have a pity party? Yes. 
did he? Oh, no. No, no he did no, not. No, no, no. He said, I'm happy to go through all this. That's right. That's it exactly makes me right. the person that mm-hmm. I need to be for God, strong. You so know what, what does the Holy Spirit produce in Paul through these sufferings? Patience, kindness, sincere love, truthful speech, glory, good report, genuine, known, living on, not killed, rejoicing, rich and possession everything. Yes. So when you're reading verses like this, Josh, I want you to look at, okay, what's going on? Well, he's got a lot of hardships. Yeah. Well, what's it going what's it doing? I mean, what's the purpose of all these hardships? Well, the purpose was him growing in all of these character skills and him growing in the patience and kindness and sincere yeah. love and endurance. I mean, look at the stuff that was growing in him that he would have missed if he had not embraced the Holy Spirit, if he had embraced the suffering. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the skill here is to embrace the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So spiritual maturity depends upon us letting go of this life. So read John twelve twenty seven. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Okay, so here's Jesus in the garden. Yes. And he's saying, save me from this hour. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't save me from this hour. Just glorify your name. (laughs) So what would it look like in the middle of your prison, in the middle of your suffering, in the middle of your flexions, if you just said, all right, my soul is troubled, but uh, glorify your name. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of things the Lord lets happen to us, and we could sit there and say, why? (laughs) All day, for a decade, and it's just dumb. There's just no way to to answer that question. But if I can say, now, Lord, glorify yourself. Now I can build that gate with praise. Now I can move forward. So could it be the very suffering we seek deliverance from is the very thing which will produce eternal life in us? Jesus gives us an example of letting go of this earthly life to accomplish the divine purpose for an imperishable heavenly eternity for the glory of God. He says, My Father, it is not possible for this cup, you know, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Matthew 26 42. And remember, I think it's. I don't want to say where it's at, but I think it's like Matthew 18. But uh, Peter's saying, far be it from me that you're going to go to the cross. And Jesus said, oh, no, you value the things of man. Get behind me, Satan. So in our minds, suffering is bad, and we need to be delivered from suffering. But Jesus isn't asking for deliverance from suffering. No, he wasn't. Uh, He's asking to glorify God. Think about it. He went out and walked in the desert. Think about the, the suffering. No food, water, walking in the heat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So could our suffering be for the edification of others? Could our faithful responses to suffering bring others to Christ? How could we glorify Christ in our suffering? And Paul describes his persecution and his sufferings, and he says... We carry around in our body the death of Jesus, mm. so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given our over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be able to be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Second Corinthians four, ten through twelve. So as I allow myself to die to my flesh, 
Now I'm going to come alive to my spirit. So God is concerned with our maturity, and he desires to make us fruit-bearing. Jesus is speaking. He says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoa. He is giving me eternal life through this death to self. Through me dying to myself, he's bringing me eternal life. So I want to develop character through my sufferings by responding with submission and faith. So let's go to James 1, 2 through 4. How should I respond to suffering? Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And how should we reshape our trials? Count it all joy. That's exactly what he said. Whoa. So I want you to think about the, the greatest suffering you're going through right now. And what would it look like to count it all joy? Yeah. And why should I count it joy? Uh, testing trial of my faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that I may grow and mature and be complete, lacking nothing. So as I find completeness in my faith through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not lacking anything. So my life is not dependent upon my circumstances or on whether or not I'm approved by others, or whether or not I'm perfect and never sin, or whether or not I never stumble, I never fall, I never had a bad thought. It's not dependent upon that. It's dependent upon my faith and my growth in Christ and my yielding to Him at all times to let Him bring me my teacher, show me my idols. Well, there's another one, Lord. (laughs) I remember telling Him one day, why did you wait so long to show me this one? Mm -hmm. And I could see an onion being peeled and he was like okay but it was deep in there it had all these layers that had to come off before we could get to that one so number two romans five three through five if we respond to sufferings with rejoicing what will be the final product now only not only so but we also glory in sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character character hope and hope does not put us to shame because god's love has been poured out into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us so suffering goes to perseverance perseverance brings character character brings hope hope does not disappoint because god pours out his love in our hearts by the holy spirit so what's the application this work cannot be done without the holy spirit (laughs) so how am i going to get the holy spirit i'm going to have to ask because doesn't he say you know if a father if you ask a father for a nice piece of bread is he going to give you a snake i don't think so so how much more is your heavenly father going to give you what you ask for more than a regular father more than enough more than enough lord i want more of your holy spirit because i cannot do this and when we realize we're made of dirt and we can't do it this surrendering to god and asking him for his holy spirit's going to bring about us this great work so number three second corinthians 1 3 through 11 we're going to go through each verse and then i'm going to pull out the main thought so you can see what's going on are troubles avoidable praise to the 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Okay, so verse 3 is telling us God is the Father of compassion. compassion. Yeah. So what would it look like if I embraced compassion? Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Okay, so what if I was hurt in church, and then once I recover myself, and I've received God's compassion and His comfort, and I've matured, I turn around and look for about a dozen other people that's been hurt, yeah. and I bring them back into the fold and just love them right back in. Yeah. So now once I allowed God to comfort me, I can comfort others. But a lot of times, Josh, don't you just think we sit there in our self-pity and we don't receive comfort? Yeah. Oh. All right. Verse 5. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So abundant sufferings equals abundant comfort. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. So being distressed for others, comfort and salvation to produce patient and endurance. That's what is coming out of verse 6. So let's see what's coming out of verse 7. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. So we got hope. We got sharing in our sufferings. We got sharing in hope. Yep. So I think we need to share these sufferings with each other, and then we need to share the hope that God's given us. Yep. Verse 8. We do not want to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experience in the province of asia we were under the great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that despaired of life itself huh. so, so that we yeah, despaired of yeah. life itself. they didn't even want to live yeah they, they were depressed and wanted to die yeah. <laughs> how many times you get underneath the pressure of a problem and you want to die yeah. you're just like i'm i'm tired with this yeah. so instead he's saying okay what's the what's the main words in this verse it's suffering hardship great pres pressure beyond the ability in, to endure they're even despairing of life yeah. now let's see what verse 9 is telling us indeed we felt we had received the sentence of death but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. Oh my. Oh, okay, so verse nine says we got a death sentence going on here. Yeah. <laughs> so if you got an addiction, if you yeah. got a problem, if you're in domestic violence, if you're in trouble and it's a death sentence, what's he saying? Rely on him. Yeah. Call on him. <laughs> yeah. It's the only way. Yeah. <laughs> the one who raises from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this death sentence has no power over you. Yeah. I'm gonna raise you from the dead. All right, verse ten. He has delivered us from a deadly peril, he, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that we will continue to deliver us. He will continue continue to deliver us. Yes. So God is going to give us deliverance and hope as we um, as we count on Him, as we rely on Him. So that sounds like surrender, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Number eleven. As you help us by our prayers then many will give thanks to on our behalf for our gracious favor granted us in answers to the prayers of many hmm. so what are we supposed to do pray <laughs> number four second corinthians 4 1 since we have god's mercy 
what are we not to do? Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we are not to lose heart. Yeah, so don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Just keep picking yourself up. Just keep relying on the Lord. Just keep asking for more of the Holy Spirit, more maturity, and uh, get above that suffering and not under it to let it defeat you. Second Corinthians 4, 2. Because of His mercy, how shall we walk? Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So we want to renounce secret and shameful ways. We want to renounce deception and distortions. And we want to plainly set forth the truth. So you can't do this on your own. This has got to be a parting, a division, a, a studying God's Word and saying, show me the light in the dark, the blessing and the cursing, the life and the death. Second Corinthians 4, 3. To whom is the gospel veiled? And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And what that means is those who do not believe. So if I'm wallowing in my self-pity and in my sin and in my self-condemnation, in my shame, in my guilt, it's because I don't believe. Oh. I don't believe. So in order to remove that veil, I have to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Where's the power of God? But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So where's that power? In our earthen vessels. Well, that's me and you. We're yeah. made of clay. <laughs> he knows we're dirt. He knows we need him. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. There it is. He's got the double side again. Hard-pressed, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed i just think sometimes i get stuck in the bad stuff yeah i just rehearse it yeah and as i rehearse it i empower it um instead i need to know that god knows i'm dirt yeah <laughs> yep. he knows he, knows. he knew all along I, I think i have this harsh <laughs> internal critic that thinks that i should be better than i am yeah and i'm not oh, it is. i'm That's not definitely. I'm not. I'm weak. And so when I'm weak, he's strong. And I just have to yield to him and keep yielding and surrendering and maturing. Yeah. Because that's my immaturity part that he's bringing out of me. So 2 Corinthians 4.10. What is the purpose of this type of suffering? We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be revealed. So I, I want Jesus to be revealed in me as I mature. 2 Corinthians 4.11-12. through 12. What does the death of the flesh, self-will, unbelief produce. Hmm, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be also revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So life is at work through the Spirit to bring our spirit alive so that we're not living in this fleshly self-will. So 2 Corinthians 4.13, what spirit? It is written, I believe, therefore, I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Uh, there's a spirit of faith? <laughs> so I know that there's a spirit of courage yeah. because I used to be very fearful. And I worked through that four or five hours a day. 
I would work through my fears. I'd write about it. I'd research it. I'd research the scriptures on it. I'd read them. I'd pray them. I'd get free. The next day, I'd come back. And the next day, I'd come back. And I'd do it again and again. I did this for eight weeks. And when I got to the end of it, I said, okay, I'm free from fear. I felt it lift off of me. I'm free from the spirit of fear. So apparently, there was an oppressive spirit on me from childhood of fear. And I said, now what do I do? What do I do? How do I replace that? Because, you know, there was a vacuum when I would get rid of the fear. I didn't replace it with anything, so the next day I had fear. (laughs) But now I replaced it. The Lord told me to replace it with courage. And I realized that, oh, I can't just muster up courage. It's bigger than me. (laughs) So I started praying with this spirit of faith that he would give me uh, courage that would be bigger than me, and he did. So 2 Corinthians 4.14. This is... This faith will do what? Because we have no, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us from with Jesus and present us with you to Himself, so we can be resurrected like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Jesus was resurrected, yep. so He's going to resurrect us. But what is He resurrecting in us now? He's rec- resurrecting in us the spirit of faith, the spirit of life, the spirit of endurance and compassion. Look what uh, he's resurrecting in us. Yeah. So this isn't like when we're in a grave. Yeah. We got to no. go to that grave of self, that yeah. grave of flesh, so daily. that we can be resurrected. Yes, daily, daily to yeah. the to the work of God. Yeah. So Second Corinthians four fifteen. How is suffering beneficial? All of this is for your benefit, Uh uh-huh, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So it's for my benefit. So if I can look at suffering differently, if I can reshape it into, okay, I don't know what you're doing here. I just know you're doing something, Lord. So instead of losing heart, instead of giving up, I'm going to trust you. So 2 Corinthians 4.16. Don't faint. What is perishing? Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So there's an outward man that's perishing, but there's an inward man that's renewing as I walk in thanksgiving with Jesus Christ. And this is so cool. These last two verses in chapter uh, 4 of 2 Corinthians says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So I held these verses very close to me. Um, I had a hip injury. The doctors told me it was in my head. I basically had just jammed my hip. It was only 4% shift, but the whole left side wouldn't wouldn't do anything. It was stuck. And this didn't go on for a day or a month or a year. It went on for almost 20 years where I couldn't roll over in bed. And in those 20 years, my husband was had terrible autoimmune diseases, and about once a month, he'd almost die on me. <laughs> and my son was overdosing 60, 70 times and trying to commit suicide. And his friends, we were burying his friends from suicide and overdoses and on and on and on. Troubles just kept coming and coming and coming. And I remember quoting this verse over and over again. How could this be light and momentary troubles, Lord? How? But your word says it is, so I'm just going to believe. And, you know, it wasn't light and momentary in my mind. It went on for yeah. decades. But I, So I started praying, Lord, let this be for your eternal glory. Yeah. Let me fix my eyes on what is not seen and what is eternal and not on this temporary stuff. And let me just worship you. And as I did that, I started growing. So in Hebrews 5, 1 through 10, 
10. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is subject to his weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when he is called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are forever a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus, this is Hebrews. This is New Testament. So we're a priest. We're a New Testament priest. And we're to make intercession for others. We're to offer up those prayers here. How do what? Uh, verse seven. Uh, okay, how did Jesus offer prayers mm-hmm. during Do, the days of Jesus' life on earth? He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent, fervent cries, F- fervent cries, Cry, fervent cries, and tears to the one who could save him from death, hmm. and he was heard because of his reverent submission. So I can remember during those years of suffering the fervent cries that would come out of me. And there were some days where they were cries of despair, but when they become powerful cries for the lost souls that God was going to give me, there was just as many tears, if not more tears, but it was not a, a consuming despair. It was a, it was a glory of God coming up in me to strengthen me for the work that he had for me. Yeah. So let's look at verse 8. How? How did he learn obedience? Uh. Son though he was he learned obedience from what he suffered through uh, suffering uh, oh yeah look at that he suffered so as jesus learned obedience through suffering how much more should we so here's the application when we are suffering what should be our response obedience obedience to the word obedience to what he's teaching us can we purpose to use suffering as an opportunity to obey oh yeah lord your word says to pray your Lord's your word says to praise you. Your word says to rejoice. I'm going to obey. So as I do that, I'm not setting with self-pity. I'm moving it to joy. I'm not setting in my fear. I'm wrestling it. Now, this may take me eight weeks. <laughs> this may take me two or three hours a day for eight weeks, yeah. but I'm moving it to courage. I'm not being faint-hearted and giving up anymore. I'm going to be like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, yeah. but I know you're a good God, and I know it's going to land in a good place. So now I see a higher purpose for my suffering. And I can look at the character traits, a whole list of character traits, and I can say, okay, here's my weakness. So I'm going to be, this is going to have to be worked out of me, whether it's being a uh, uh, slothful, whether it's being unkind, you know, these things are going to have to be worked out of me, whether it's being anxious and not trusting. And so perp- I can see through my character skills what I'm lacking in and where my suffering is going to come. And the reason the suffering's coming is not so that I'll land in more fear and more anxiety, but so that I'll land in trusting God and relying on Him. Yeah. So could the suffering soften this hard clay so that we can be shaped into the image of Christ? The only way to develop the character qualities of Christ is with careful and purpose planning and persistent practice. This is the way of obedience. Yeah, careful. Not careless, but careful. So number six, Psalms 119.67. What was the blessing that came out of David's life because of affliction? Because I was afflicted, I, before I was afflicted, I went astray. 
But now I obey your word. So David learned not to go astray. So if we submit to God in faith, we will likely experience a wilderness wandering, but we'll end up in the same place again and again if we don't submit to it. But if we submit to it, then we're going to stop going astray. We're going to learn from it. We're going to grow. We're going to mature. So number seven, Proverbs 17.3. What is the analogy here? Uh, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. So it's that God's testing my heart. Uh, he's bringing up the dross. He's bringing up the impurities for me to deal with. So I can see what's vile in my heart, and I can also see what's precious, and I can separate the two. Because a lot of times when I'm in the middle of it, it's all mished together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so when it gets heated up with persecution and affliction, it comes to the top. And I can see my ugliness, and I can say, oh, I don't want to be angry anymore. I, I don't want to respond in anger. I want to respond differently. I want to go sit with that until I can move it, and it can resolve. And and then I go back with uh, a heart of gratitude, a heart of peace, uh, words that somebody could hear because they can't hear me when I'm angry. So Isaiah 48, 4 through 5. What is the character defect of the people? Uh, for I knew how stubborn you were. <laughs> okay, so God knows me. <laughs> you, your necks were like iron. Your forehead was like bronze. Therefore, I told you these things long ago before they happened. I announced them to you so that you could not say my images brought them about. My wooden image and my metal God ordained them. No, he said we are stubborn, idolatrous, hard-headed. And so he knows what I'm like. And apparently I must be double this because I had a lot of affliction, Josh. (laughs) I either have a double calling or I had a double dose of stubbornness. So I really needed that persecution and that affliction to draw that stuff out of me. So Isaiah 48.8. Why do we have this character defect? Ye have neither heard nor understood from from of old your ears have not been opened. Well do I know how treacherous you are. You were called a rebel from birth. <laughs> yep. From yeah. the fall in the Garden of Eden. We have yeah. been our little rebels. <laughs> so there's this rebel inside of me that I gotta wrangle in. So what were God's choices in Isaiah forty eight, nine and ten? For my own name's sake, I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you, so as not to destroy you completely. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Oh, look at that. His choice was either to bring me suffering or to bring his wrath and kill me, slay me, destroy me. And so, actually, affliction is his mercy. Yes. So it is much more merciful for me to correct my child before they start going astray, before they start running in a street after a ball. It's much more merciful for a parent to be that container to guide the child. And so I believe that that's what God's doing with us. I believe that he's bringing us suffering so that he doesn't have to watch us destroy ourselves, because I think we would. Isaiah 48, 17. What is God's ultimate purpose? This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. And so his ultimate purpose is? To save us. Yes, amen, amen. Isaiah 48, 18. If we hear and obey, what is what is our reward? If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river. Your well-being would have been like the waves of a sea. So there are commands uh, that will be like waves, waves of righteousness that will come upon us as as we sit with 
our stubbornness and our idolatry, and we move it, we cast it away from us, and we embrace his peace. So Isaiah 48, 19. Who else will be blessed? Your descendants who have been like the sand, your children like its numberless grains, their name would never be blotted out nor destroyed from before me. So as I purpose to obey guys, then he's saying, I'm not going to blot out your children. I'm going to correct them too. I'm going to train them. I'm going to bring them up in the way. Philippians 3, 7. Whatever was my gain, profit, consider lost. Why? So Philippians 3, 7. But Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So if I can just say whatever I lose is no big deal as long as I get you, Lord. (laughs) So Philippians 3, 8, verse A. Everything is considered a loss in comparison to what? What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So there's a surpassing greatness that I'm going to get to know in Him as I can rejoice in these sufferings, knowing that it's maturing me. So Philippians 3.8, the second part. Why is Paul rejoicing that he has lost all things? For whose sake I have lost all all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So what if it looked like instead of wrestling with what I've lost, I said, now everything I lost is garbage if I can gain you, Christ, if I can gain you, if that's my purpose. Philippians 3, 9. What does it mean to be in Christ? And the word in is our focus. And to be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So now Paul has righteousness through faith in Christ, a righteousness that comes from God that's much bigger than him. So if we have to, we need to address the lack of faith that we have in every circumstance. Uh, Philippians 3.10. What four things does Paul want to know? I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, to become like him in his death. So he wants to know Christ. He wants to know the power of resurrection. He wants to share in his sufferings, and he wants to be like him, conformable in his death. So what would it look like if I became like Christ and died to my flesh? What would that look like? (laughs) I'd have the courage of a mighty God, (laughs) wouldn't I? I'd have all kinds of great character skills. I could go to the cross, and it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be in self-pity. Yeah. It'd be in he has counted me worthy to yeah. suffer for him. Yeah. So first Thank Peter you, Father. Yes, first Peter five ten. What is the promise? And the grace and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So look at that. He's going to give me a eternal glory. Mm-hmm. He's going to restore me. He's going to make me strong. He's going to make me firm. Um, He's going to make me steadfast. He's going to settle me right there. Romans 8.18. How should we view our sufferings? I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in me. Look at that. 2 Corinthians 1.4. Thessalonians 1.4. What character traits were developed through the persecutions and tribulations. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all persecutions and trials you are enduring. So, perseverance. 
faith, faith and endurance. We'll look at that. Mm-hmm. Now, if you just read that scripture really quick, you're not going to pull that out. Yeah. So you got to read it slow and you got to pull out the character skills. Second Thessalonians 1 5. If we patiently persevere and endure, what is the result? And this is the this is evidence that God's judgment is right. As a result, we will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which we suffer. So we're going to be counted worthy. Worthy of the kingdom yeah, of God. The application is when we suffer, what is what if we said, I've been counted worthy to suffer for the kingdom of God? <laughs> and you know that suffering comes in different forms. Yeah. It comes from the hand of your best friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> through betrayal, through persecutions. Second yeah. Corinthians twelve ten. Why does Paul delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties? That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm-hmm. So Jesus emphasized in Matthew ten twenty two and twenty four, we shall be hated by all men. He who stands firm, endures until the end, shall be saved. And then he goes on to express how the servant is not above his master. And we will be treated unfairly, and we will suffer as he has suffered. So I think when we're doing right, we're going to suffer. Yeah. Okay. Jesus is very clear when he says, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you may have trouble tribulations but take heart i have overcome the world <laughs> john sixteen thirty three. there are so many stories of sufferings in the bible and these stories bring me great comfort in each situation god had a plan and a purpose the plan was to bring salvation and deliverance to his people and to bring glory to his name i have gone through many many sufferings if my eyes are fixed on my distress, I am fearful, faint-hearted, and wallow in self-pity. But when I can fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, then I know that I that I know that I know he has a plan. Amen. Oh, okay, I see. I know then that I know that, that I know, I know. He has a plan. <laughs> Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through fourteen. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will we call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. So if I am captive to self-pity. Yeah. I need to quote this. I need to quote this first. Yeah. Okay, Lord, you've got a plan here. I don't know what this plan, but it's to prosper me, yeah. not to harm me, to yeah. give me a hope and yeah. a future. So today, I want you to let your heart be steadfast in your belief. Let your belief grow in your adversity. Let your adversity purify your soul. And even if your soul is sorrowful, your spirit can be rejoicing. Now know the richness of your presence that only comes with enduring faith. And this is Angie Meadows. And this is Josh Vaughn. And we love you.